Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the WTF1 podcast. We're back for another one. This time, we're not reviewing a race. We're talking about some F1 news that has occurred quite recently. The three new tracks to the calendar. It's all happening. My name is Matthew Gallagher and joining me once again, I was about to say in the commentary box. We have been in the commentary box. But it's not. We're in the virtual podcast box. It's Tom Bellingham. Hello. It's been a while since we've done any commentary, but yeah. Yeah, podcast I kind time. of miss it. I kind of like yeah, the duo. It's, it's really nice. But instead, we will not We will not think about that. We will think about three amazing races that have been announced on the 2020 F1 calendar. As much as we've had such a torrid time with everything, and I hope everybody's still stay, staying safe uh, and well and their families are, are well as well, it's, you know... This is a very strange predicament that we find ourselves in with this Formula One calendar and, and the, the, the COVID situation where Formula One can't go around the world to where they want to wherever. So we have to pick up a few new ones. I know. Who could have imagined the uh, tracks that we'd be racing on this year? It's so, so unexpected. Because even, even when there was all the talk about, oh, they might have to go to a few tracks off the calendar i don't know if you're the same but i was like yeah no way that's happening yeah absolutely uh, not uh, i could didn't believe it for a second but amazing we've had four now it's amazing how quickly they can find tracks that will be willing and suitable to to host a formula one race uh, i don't know if uh f1 fans that are watching and listening to this feel the same as i did but i always felt like there would be some restrictions or some reason why we couldn't go back to imola or whatever but it seems as though the turnaround has been rather quick it has to be said um because some tracks you know probably weren't ready to to host an f1 race and they've had to get their their shit together Mm. it all comes down to grade one as it's called on the fia list so to host a formula one race you have to be fia grade one circuit which obviously all these are um there are every single track on the calendar is fia grade one and um any and also there are a few others that don't host formula one races like these ones and also a few others and yeah that's the that's the reason i guess why they've been able to turn it around so quickly because i guess they don't have the problem with fans being at the track and they need to open like uh like access and all that kind of stuff although there is talk that there might be fans at the last couple so that would be quite interesting 
You can sign me up to those if it is opened up. I do fancy yeah. uh, a bit of travelling, if, if if possible, to go to a Formula One race, even if it's just for fun, even if it's not even for work, yeah. which is weird to say, isn't it? As much as, you know, people would be like, cry me a river, but I, I can't remember the last time I actually just went to just have fun rather than <laughs> trying to, to do something for WTF1 or whatever. Obviously, it's still fun, but um, I'm oh, definitely yeah. down to to see what, what happens at, towards the end of this year. So let's talk about the first one, Nürburgring, 9th to the 11th of October. Now, we need to um, basically tell people that it's not the entire Nürburgring Nordschleife circuit, which I know a lot of people were getting quite excited about, um, because, fair enough, if you're new to Formula One, you, you probably wouldn't know about the Nürburgring GP circuit uh, that, that we've seen a few races on. Well, that, to be fair, it wasn't that long ago that we raced around Nürburgring, right? Twenty. 13 i believe was the last f1 race at nürburgring so it, it doesn't feel like that long ago but then i have to remind myself with all these things that it's seven years ago it's mad isn't and it? and a lot of people have maybe only been watching even in the last couple of years never mind seven years ago so yeah it's it's a crazy one but yeah not not the full one that would be a bit mad and it's definitely not fia grade one <laughs> no no the amount of bumps and changes in elevation it absolutely not happen but uh, Nürburgring still as a gp circuit is is pretty good i would say it's probably not my favorite and when they were alter uh, alternate alternating that's the word uh between yeah. hockenheim and Nürburgring back around that 2013 around or 2010 era uh I, I always preferred hockenheim over Nürburgring personally uh, what about you, Tommy? Yeah, the same. I think the Hockenheim ring, the new one, obviously people, classic F1 fans, love to say they butchered that Hockenheim ring, the old one in the forest, which was an incredible racetrack. But I actually did really like the Hockenheim ring that they mm. they did the change. There's a lot of great overtaking spots there. Nürburgring GP circuit, I do actually really like that one as well. Like I think it's going to be a good track for Formula One. I don't think it's um as badly suited to modern f1 as a lot of people seem to think but i think it's going to be uh, a decent race and it's it's always interesting to kind of throw a curveball like this and race at a track we don't expect and hopefully some good racing yeah absolutely you know you've got a couple of good overtaking opportunities into the the last chicane um and then also into turn one as well a lot of the rest of it, you'd probably say, is is decently single file, apart from maybe that kind of long hairpin uh, in the middle sector uh, before you go up the hill towards the Schumacher S's, isn't it? That's what it's called. Yeah. Um. So, so yeah, Nurburgring's not not like they've uh, announced Monaco for ten races. <clears throat> that would have been um, quite saddening. <laughs> <laughs> Even you would take ten races around Monaco. Oh, absolutely not. No. Okay. Good. Uh, I think I've said many times the reason I like Monaco is for the uniqueness and one is plenty. Okay, perfect. I'll allow that then. Uh, at F1 underscore Amy says, how do we think the safety will be, especially with the Nürburgring? Now, I think that Amy is also referring to the full Nordschleifer. Yeah, that's that's not happening. But Nürburgring, as as we've already mentioned, has already hosted Formula One races, so the safety will be completely fine and it's a grade one circuit and I don't think that they'd have to have changed much, if anything, uh, to allow Formula One to go back. No, not at all. If it's if it's grade one, you can host it, simple as that. So that's what uh, we'll go into Imla later, but that's what Imla have done. They used to be a grade two circuit and they upgraded. Um, a lot of um, circuits have kind of up, they want that grade one status and that's what they need to be able to host a Formula One race. So there are no 
issues with safety at all for Nurburgring Grand Prix circuit. It's all good. All good. At James Bruton 74, could holding a race at the Nurburgring in October lead to a complete washout of a race weekend? Absolutely. I mean, it's Europe. <laughs> so yeah. you, you never know what could happen. In October as well, that's something we never see is a European race that late uh, into, uh, into well, towards winter, isn't it? It's, it's crazy to think that yeah. that we've got a European race then because I think even if it doesn't rain, it will be cold. And we don't usually see very cold races. I can't remember the last time the air temperature would be below 10 maybe. Uh, I'm sure you probably don't have that fact to heart, uh, Tommy, but it, we don't have that that the only time we've ever seen something like that was when they went testing in Spain and it was snowed. It's got its own microclimate, I guess. Uh, Nürburgring that, that won't seem to have the same problems in Italy and Portugal. But when I did see that they were hosting a race in Germany in, when was it? Sorry. Yeah. Start like of October. Yeah. I mean, that that's a brave call because Spa, for example, I, I, this actually blew my mind when I worked in the WC four or five years ago now. Um, I had no idea because I'd not really looked it on a map and uh, I drove to the Nürburgring for work and it's only like two hours away from Spa. So it's that close to Spa and we all know what Spa's like with its weather. It's got its own like microclimate. They always love to say that cliche, don't they, at Spa? And Nürburgring is the is the same it, it could be it, like you say I wouldn't even be surprised if it snowed you never know and especially the way 2020 is going you wouldn't put it past it would you no you wouldn't um at Beth one I think we've kind of mentioned this but I'll read the question out anyway has someone who's never watched any races there or has any idea of the track layout what should we be looking out for where will the overtakes be what would be deemed a risky place to overtake I think turn one is obviously a really good opportunity to overtake but also is quite risky with how uh the camber changes in the corner and this it's downhill and then you go back uphill uh towards turn two which then yeah it's, it's quite quite a difficult set of corners I'd, I'd say to to get right but in these modern f1 cars i'm sure they'll they'll manage just fine um and then you go round turn two three four very much single file then you kind of go up i'm, I'm kind of just having a mental lap now yeah uh, have a small pins. straight don't you then to to the then left right yeah uh, and then, then you down go the down hill the hill to the hairpin. Slightly. I think ha- that's a bit of a stretch that hairpin to over- to get an overtake done. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. It would have to be an absolute kind of Leroy Jenkins banzai move to try and get that done. I can't see that happening. But yeah, turn one definitely is the place. But then there's also, like, say after the uh, hairpin, you go. You've got like another left right, and then you've got that long straight that goes into like a right hand turn very like quick right hand turn and some people like to overtake into the chicane i mm. imagine that's where the two drs zones are going to be i would be very surprised if it wasn't that long straight before the chicane and also the final the pit straight, straight yeah the pit straight yeah. yeah i agree um i don't think there's really any other place that they could have even like a triple drs because you never know we don't know have we we haven't been there for for so long they could easily change it uh, and allow for for more drs zones we've seen three already um in in previous races so don't put it past yeah, them because I'd, I'd say they could fit it in if they tried but i don't think it i think two is definitely probably the the most likely we interrupt this wtf1 podcast for a very quick chat about our sponsor for this episode express vpn now when you're searching online you may think that going into incognito mode will protect all of your data well let me tell you something incognito mode does not hide your activity 
It doesn't matter what mode you use or how many times you clear your browsing history, your internet service provider can still see every single website you've ever visited. That's why, even when I'm at home, I never go online without using ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is an app that reroutes your internet connection through their secure servers so your ISP can't see the sites you visit. ExpressVPN also keeps all of your information secure by encrypting 100% of your data with the most powerful encryption available. Most of the time, I don't even realise I have ExpressVPN on. It runs seamlessly in the background and is so easy to use. All you have to do is tap one button and you're protected. ExpressVPN is available on all of your devices, phones, computers, and even your smart TV, so there's no excuse for you not to be using it. Protect your online activity today with the VPN rated number one by CNET and Wired. Visit our exclusive link, expressvpn.com forward slash WTF1, and you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com forward slash WTF1. Now, back to the podcast. Um, so, so moving on to our next edition, which is Portimao. I think that's how you say it. Portimao. <laughs> Mao. Portimao. I've been saying Portimao. I've never Portimao. heard it said out loud. I don't Portimao. think. So I'm hoping that's right. Portimao. Portimao? Portimao. That's what I've been saying. So yeah, okay. you said right. the same. We'll go with that. So I assume we've heard it somewhere. Now, I don't know a huge amount about this track. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I don't think anybody really knows a huge amount. I've, I've had a quick look at the, the lap around it. and Oh, you mean very... you don't watch the European Le Mans series, Matthew? No. No, I don't. Uh, <laughs> quite, quite happily will say that I'm a Formula One fanboy and that's it. Um, but... What was quite noticeable for me was the most ridiculous eleva- elevation change down towards turn one, where it looks like it's almost like a roller coaster. Uh, there was a, there was a GP two race, wasn't there, that, that raced there? Um, yeah, two thousand and nine. Two thousand and nine. So still eleven years ago. Madness. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, it's still a track that I think is quite exciting, especially because we've never been there before. We can't really judge it until we go. Exactly, and boy, is it wide! I don't know if you noticed that from the GP two race that F one. Shared a clip it's a of, didn't thick they? boy with it's two a, C's. It is. It's. I mean, that was the GP2 cars that were a little bit thinner than the Formula 1 cars. But even with the wide Formula 1 cars we've got now, you're still talking like maybe four cars wide. I wouldn't know exact, exact but it's a it's a definitely a very wide pit straight. Reminds me of uh, Sepang a little bit with how wide the track is. Mm. And um, yeah, the, the first turn's a weird one because it goes slopes downhill kind of in a reverse coater if you like um very strange though they've actually changed um there, there is a layout and the one that they did use in t- 2009 for the gp2 was a chicane into the first corner which kind of turns back on itself and while it's a bit of a clumsy chicane it means that there's a heavier braking zone into turn one now they've not done that I believe from the track map that they've shared on F1 so it'd be interesting to see how quickly they're going into that turn it might be a case of passing before the braking zone with DRS than a kind of lock up lunge into turn one okay um at I forgot my name 56 says (laughs) am I the only one who is quite anxious with racing in Portimao due to uh, the track characteristics being fairly similar to Catalonia and more elevation changes. What, what, what would you say to that, Tommy, as I look up the track map? Uh, yeah, people have been quick to notice that it looks like a kind of, can I copy a homework version of Catalonia? Yeah. Uh, with the whole, like, um, if you imagine um, Sp- uh, Catalonia, it looks like a kind of person with 
strong arms flexing and uh there's kind of uh estoril was the same which hosted the portuguese grand prix back in 96 was the last one so it's mm. the last portuguese grand prix that was very similar as well but for me i don't personally share the same concerns because the thing that's always bugged me the most about catalonia is always mention it every podcast that bloody chicane and there isn't the one worst thing and there isn't one it's a swooping downhill right-hander they're gonna probably have drs yeah. or at least get into the slipstream so they've got all that time swooping down that right hand hill to prepare to get close and then they'll have an entire straight which we yeah. mentioned earlier is about four cars wide i don't think we're gonna have anywhere near as many problems touch wood i well to be fair when you look at the track i think we're gonna have a, a pretty good race because as you say it's it's a it's a better Catalonia to be honest yeah. when I look at it um, because yeah the last chicane has always been the problem because they could never get close enough into turn one whereas as you say they have to wind up for for much longer they they go through a long right hander into then more of a right hander and they've got the whole of that pretty much flat I would imagine then you'd yeah. have DRS down the main straight you'd have DRS again as you come back on ourselves on maybe turn four. And then there's um, so, a big hairpin for that uh, after turn four or five. I can't remember which one it is. Yeah, I imagine that's going to be DRS as well. And then there's a, actually, yeah. a tasty little braking zone hairpin that I imagine is going to be a little bit longer than the one in the final sector of Catalonia. So we might it might see even more overtaking there. So yeah, I personally don't believe that it's going to be anywhere near as problematic as Catalonia. And I'm hoping that it's a very good race to the point where. It, maybe even kicks Catalonia off the track because I'm not imagine that is another question though isn't it that that these tracks are finally getting a chance to to be thrust into the Formula One spotlight could we see post this whole pandemic situation some of these tracks actually being brought on full-time indeed I think it is the very next question (laughs) is it I haven't even I haven't even looked that's incredible (laughs) um here we go at Paulie underscore walnuts why were these tracks not considered for a regular season race? They are obviously up to F1 standards. I know you're going to say money, but maybe we need to rotate, rotate tracks for the regular season. Money. money. <laughs> it's, uh, it's all down to, you know, they have to assess loads of things, don't they? Like selling tickets um, and yeah, sponsors and, and, and the circuit, because the circuit has to pay a huge amount of money anyway to host Formula One races, don't they? Yeah. It's not yeah, like very... Formula One pay the circuits to use them. It's the other way around. So the circuit has to weigh up whether it's even possible. And then, as you mentioned earlier, Tommy, uh, with um, Nürburgring, I think, oh, no, it was Imola, I think we mentioned very quickly, was the fact that they don't have to think about the fans side of things. And, you know, can they accommodate 100,000 people on a normal race weekend? Exactly. I mean, we saw what happened with Paul Rickard. They were had a track, I mean, suited. I'll use the term suited for F1 loosely because it's... um, a grade one for Formula One, shall I say. <laughs> um, and the very first race there, you had people queuing so long to get into the track that they couldn't get in, in even in time for free practice too. So that is something that has to be considered with these things. And I guess this year they don't have that worry. Yeah, there's lots of lots of uh, things to to take into into consideration because, as you say, you don't, you don't want to have another Paul Ricard where it was a complete and utter mess. Like they can't have that happen because then you, they they issued refunds, didn't they? As far as I'm aware, I believe so. Yeah, because it was yeah. it was 
beyond ridiculous. farcical yeah yeah it was, it was not really like bad. oh if you left earlier you would have got in you literally would have had to camp outside in order to get in um before uh before the the, the session started so lots of things yeah. to consider i would love to see some of these tracks stay especially imola i'm so excited for that um we'll yeah. get onto that shortly i think uh, uh, one... swapping i think swapping as well is a great idea um mm. I, I didn't even actually think about it until you mentioned the Germany thing where they used to alternate between Hockenheim and Nürburgring. I think that was quite quite good because you keeps had it, it fresh. Yeah, it yeah. keeps it fresh. And at the end of the day, there are contracts and that will always be the issue. But if there was a way to make this happen, you know, personally, I wouldn't mind Portimao one year replacing Catalonia or abu dhabi gets mixed up with dubai or something like that do you know like mixing up tracks would be exciting because you've seen the reaction online like everyone's buzzing about these races to see new tracks in formula one indeed whether that in formula one's eyes would turn into more money is another question and that's (laughs) always what it comes down to unfortunately us fans we don't we're not number one it's whether or not we'll actually spend money is the is the big question uh the final question on portimao mao mao portimao is at underscore habro which of the tracks will produce the best race in terms of overtaking and wheel-to-wheel battles and maybe safety cars uh for me personally i think nurburgring most likely Portimao potentially but between these three that we're going to be talking about Imola's the final one yeah I I don't see Imola being an absolute stunner I think it's more down the Monaco route of we're back yeah it's very um it's I imagine I can see Imola playing out very similar to how Zandvoort was going to play out where the track is absolutely awesome everyone wants to see it's a proper driver's circuit might not produce the best overtaking but depending on who you are and what, why you kind of watch F1 or what you like about Formula 1, might not be for everyone. But I'd, I'd say Portimao has a very good chance that we could see a good race here because it'll be unknown. The, the teams won't have really raced there before, uh, not even in testing or anything. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they set up the, the, the changes and the elevations, really exciting. And then just the, just the fact that it's a wide boy, is going to make it a uh, a wide boy indeed. Exciting race, I think. I'm I'm really looking forward to this one. I think if this does well, I do hope that it gets considered for the calendar in the future because it looks like a good one. Yeah, fingers crossed. I think personally, I think Nurburgring still will be better, just purely because I think we'll have changeable conditions, and uh, <laughs> that that should uh, hopefully provide with with some amazing racing as long as it doesn't get washed out. That's uh, that's yeah. the next. Uh, problem we'll probably have on our list uh finally imola is the third and uh, final track that we've uh, we're talking about today 31st of october to the 1st of november so those uh, keen mathematicians out there will notice that <laughs> that is two days not three so the actual schedule for that hasn't been announced we don't know exactly what they're going to be doing are they just going to be doing more running um over two days or are they going to be just getting rid of fp1 and fp2 fingers crossed um uh, but hopefully yeah i mean for for your for your wet dream it definitely would be uh <laughs> be the be the case wouldn't it um uh, oh, i am doesn't. iron man 17 will it be strange for the drivers to race to imola knowing it's past i don't personally think it would be obviously there is a, a lot of history with imola um i think a lot of the drivers will find it very cool indeed because it's it's always going to have that history and for me anyway you know 28 year old man 
you know, I used to race on the games there. And, you know, I, I think that it, it, it would mean more to the drivers to race around there. Yeah, I think I imagine a lot of this is due to the whole like um, Senna Ratzenberger thing as well. Mm-hmm. But I mean, we, we've we've sadly lost many uh, drivers at different yeah. circuits. And, you know, we had Hubert at Spa, Bianchi at Suzuka. And I guess the thing with Imola is it will always be so well known because it was the darkest weekend in F1 history. But it is one of those tracks they've made changes and it is one of those tracks that drivers adore. Like you, you saw, uh, I think it was Esteban Ocon, um, uh, potentially on Instagram. And I think George Russell retweeted the tweet from F1 and was like, yes, Imola's back. It's it. That's the one that all the drivers are really keen to race at because it's, it's a proper like driver's spectacle. Yeah. Like uh, amazing absolutely. track. Uh, at Tom McCluskey, McCluskey, Tom <laughs> McCluskey, I can't speak today. Um, obviously known as Tom of F1. How has Imola as a circuit evolved from a safety point of view since that weekend in 1994 that took Ayrton and Roland's lives? Uh, Tommy, I'm hoping you have the answer to that because I don't know the specifics. I do. Uh, yeah. So 1994, um, obviously the the tamborello corner where uh, senna lost his life was a flat left-hander uh, that they were taking at like 200 miles an hour and then the next uh, right-hander was also flat and that's where uh, ratzenberger sadly um crashed and died as well and then you go into toza which is the slow left-hander now immediately after 1994 they changed the circuit to have um the chicane so the first corner is like a fast sweeping chicane and then you go down a straight back into another chicane and then through toza so you don't have uh, they changed that immediately in um 95 but also which i notice f1 are showing a lot of clips from 2006 and the onboards and i guess if people haven't um watched any racing at Imola since then uh they may not know this but it's also changed since then so in 2008 we were mentioning earlier about the FIA grade one circuits yeah that needs to be um to to be an FIA grade one circuit they had to update the pit lane so they changed the pit straight and now rather than that final chicane uh, which will all um you've seen the many clips of Alonso and Shumi Go, that amazing mm. battle that they had into that final chicane uh, that's no longer there that's just a straight on uh, so they're just going straight all the way from that um double left-hander and then just going straight on all the way to that first chicane so there's a there's a big long straight now as well which hopefully means a bit more overtaking than we had back in 2006 Yes, fingers crossed. Um, Kyle McIver96 says, are you slightly worried that some of the corners of the past will become flat out for these cars, especially that Merck, especially that Merck, considering it was the only thing taking Hungary turn 11 flat? Uh, I mean, I, I, don't re- I don't really know where you're, you're looking at in terms of the, the circuit map where, where the Mercedes is going to have a huge advantage, to be honest, because unless you're taking turn eight flat, which is quite frankly ridiculous, I, I don't really see where, you know, as you go into Aqua Minerale, 
I don't know that oh. there's a slight right kink there, but you'd imagine most cars would be taking it flat. I, I don't see a particular section of the corner, at least a, a track sorry, for me personally, where the Mercedes could possibly have such a, an advantage where they can take something flat. Mercedes is just quick everywhere, aren't they? Let's be honest this year. I mean, they've won the two races that are almost polar opposite to each other in terms of flat out um, straight line speed and the kind of twisty Monaco-like track. So I... Uh, I guess the 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 main thing is that people don't think these new tracks are maybe suited to modern F one because corners don't aren't corners anymore anymore. But you did mention Aqua Minerale. I think that's the most the thing I'm most looking forward to in the entire F one season is watching cars go back through there because that kind of quick right hander into a slower right hander is probably my favourite corner in the world. So I'm lo- wow. really looking forward. To, I'm Big really statement. looking forward to. Um, watching modern f1 cars take that and and also the, you mentioned about it being flat like it's a bad thing i mean that mercedes going flat through turn 11 was pretty spectacular to it was watch, epic, so. wasn't it? i guess it's more on a on a competitive yeah, standpoint yeah. but then you know, what can we do <laughs> they've made yeah. an amazing car this year that just just kind of accept it and and enjoy the the flying laps that that car's able to produce because that's all we've really got but uh, yeah i I'm, <laughs> I'm completely on the same standpoint of aquamina rally being a really interesting corner to to watch and i'm i'm going to be very fascinated to see how how the cars take it differently and and how the red bull in particular is going to going to manage around this sort of track where you know they've been looking like they've been struggling so much around both um austria and and hungary mm. so uh yeah let's see if um it's not gonna be a dog around Imola but either way it's quite narrow isn't it Imola so it's gonna be quite difficult to to overtake it's not gonna be the likes of Portimao where <laughs> you've got you can go about nine wide no it's a yeah over overtaking wise a lot of people want to know where you can overtake at Imola and I think because they've changed that circuit and you kind of go straight on now um, instead of the final chicane, you're going to be looking at hopefully a DRS pass into turn one down yeah. the main straight, and that's about it. But I mean, yeah, they're not, gonna, not. It's not going to be particularly. I think it's going to be a case of slipstream and passed by the time they get down to turn two, rather than because turn one is literally just a kink, isn't it? As far as I'm aware, it's not actually. It's like a, a Russia. Um, yeah. At least that's what I'm looking at on the track map. Yeah. Uh, exactly. So, so yeah, when you get to turn two, it's not a. It's not a hairpin. It's not a massive breaking point. It's kind of a medium speed chicane, isn't it? So that yeah, it, it could be interesting going into that, but I don't think we're going to see ridiculous lunges because there isn't really a place to do it unless somebody gets a little bit of a swapper out of Aquaminerali down towards the next chicane, uh, or maybe down into fourteen potentially uh, with the last couple of corners, um, the double left hander potentially yeah. as you go down the hill. Uh, I'm just trying to maintain positivity. <laughs> yeah, I mean. I've I've mentioned this many, many times and I, I'm really excited to see Imola and I'm not going to sit here and pretend it's going to be the most exciting race in the world for new fans. And I I do understand where people are coming from when they maybe don't like these kind of circuits. We said it at Zandvoort as well, didn't we, that it's probably not the greatest race for overtaking, but it's going to be a spectacle. And I'm really looking forward to seeing these modern F1 cars around there. But at the same time, I do appreciate that we might have to rely on a wet race or maybe some strategy, tyre strategy, uh, which we'll go into later, like you say, about the two-day two weekend. That might not be as straightforward as we think. 
later, well, we'll get into it right now, actually, Tommy, at M underscore DCRO, oh, DC Rodriguez, says, with less practice at Imola, how is Pirelli going to make predictions for tyre degradation and pit windows? I imagine that's sarcastic, is it? Is that... I hope so, because I hope so, because Um, they don't need to, because we don't like that. (laughs) No, no. But um, I guess in terms of just generally teams rocking up and having to perform, it's going to be huge for them. If it's a two day F1 weekend, we have less practice running and they have no previous data to go by on these tyres. Lovely. It's going to be an absolute mess for a lot of the teams. And that's exactly what we want to see, isn't it? We, we, we don't want to know how it's all going to unfold. Like when we saw F2, for example, around Hungary uh, and, you know, in the sprint race, you ne- you'd never see anyone pit. Uh, but the winner was probably the, one of the only people not to pit. And that's because of the, the lack of data that they had about how the tyres were going to perform. So <laughs> hopefully that will translate to Imola uh, and, and Formula One. Um, that's what I'm hoping, at least. We've done it. I, I think it's now like there's probably a, a bingo thing in our podcast where every time we mention that free practice should go. But we do mention it all the time that Mercedes are probably going to win every race. So why not throw a curveball in and not let them spend four hours on a Saturday, uh, sorry, Friday, setting up their car to absolute perfection where they know exactly what lap they need to put on, exactly what tyres they need to use, exactly the setup they need. It should, I, I can only hope that this race is an absolute banger and the F, FIA go, oh yeah, two-day weekend's pretty cool. Oh, they're not going to, yeah, I mean, come on, it's it's less money again, so I highly doubt they'll then go, ah, two-day F1 weekends, Although, to be fair, to be fair, there is talk that two-day weekends is the kind of, is going to be the answer in terms of having a 25-race calendar that they want, so... So just more running on those two days rather than spread over three. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, do we actually know what the reason is for the two-day F1 weekend? I have no idea. No, I, I, I don't. They've not they've said it. They just kind of announced it, and now everyone's like, "Ooh, this is yeah, exciting." But I, I, I wonder why. I, I'd love to know the actual reason why. I wonder um, if it is Ross Braun, because you know how um, Ross Braun was desperate to tinker with the formats and things a little bit, yeah, um, have reverse grids, yeah, and they've just gone, "We're not bed. giving you an option. You're racing for this, and that's it." Nice. Uh, Shane Poth says, should these tracks stay for future seasons or be a one-time thing? We've kind of already mentioned that, but uh, it'd be nice for them to interchange, wouldn't it? Yeah. I don't... Yeah. Uh, one one thing that we haven't actually mentioned, I, d- I don't know if... I, d- I didn't really see that much um, talk of it, and maybe it's because we, we want positivity. But um, this announcement kind of overshadowed the fact that we aren't going to be racing in the Americas this this season. So they've yeah. already announced that the four races have been cancelled. So no Interlagos, which is... Very sad. Very sad. And while I'm absolutely loving this calendar, for me personally, I don't think we need three races in Italy a year. Like, it should be a world championship. We should be racing at different tracks. I'm absolutely loving that we've had this mixed-up calendar. But yeah, let, let's maybe... In a perfect world, I'd love it mixed up every year but we still go to races all over the world 
Agreed. Like Inter Lagos and stuff. So. Yeah, completely agree. Because uh, fans got to see their the, the Formula One cars yeah. in action. Italy can't have it all. <laughs> the, mm. the one year that we have three races in Italy, Ferrari or rubbish. Oh, they're going to get uh, embarrassed three times. Just it's just the way, isn't it? Unfortunately. Mm. Um, other circuits. Diana underscore re says, which other circuits would you like to uh, to see, or would you like to be added to the uh, race calendar? Um, the only one that comes to mind for me is, is Turkey, but that's not that's not ready. That's or, a car park now, I yeah. believe. I think it's a used car dealership now. That, I genuinely that believe uh, that is the case. What about you, Tommy? Uh, I've got some uh, exciting news, a rumor. That exciting news or a rumor? Rumor. <laughs> rumor. Well, uh, from from the from the rumors that I've uh, that have been going around, is the next triple header after this one. Maybe two races at uh, Vietnam, and then Sepang. And I absolutely love Sepang yes. and really need it back. So yes, please. Just make sure the drain covers are nailed down this time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean that would be awesome, wouldn't it? That uh, would be awesome. Love I, Malaysia. I would, I would love Malaysia to come back. So not yes, sure, not so please. sure about two races at Vietnam, but hey, we can't complain. We're not allowed I mean, to complain. We'll, We've got F one we'll back. See. We'll see. We, we don't know about Vietnam yet, do we? So no. But uh, it would be lovely to see Malaysia back. It deserves to be on the calendar. Um, and, well, this crisis was the only way we would have seen Malaysia back on the calendar for quite some time, I imagine. Yeah. So A strange thing um, that, as well, we, we did a video, didn't we, about um, the ideal calendar. Uh, the, and in it, you have to race in three different continents. Yeah. And so far, we've only raced in Europe, so they're going to need to... Uh, to start racing around. I wonder if, if that, that that ruling's void this year. I it wonder. might might be, might be. I imagine, yeah, global pandemic probably is in the small printers things that um, <laughs> <laughs> they can kind of scrap the three continent rule. But I mean, the, yeah. the, the only problem is racing in Europe until December might be an issue. Uh, they'll be running out of tracks and running out of kind of Weather. countries that won't be snowing. <laughs> I, I was looking into yeah. grade one circuits actually. And one of them that I didn't even realize was grade one was one in Finland, and it's called the Kimi Ring. No word of a lie. Well, now we need to go there, don't we? We absolutely <laughs> that, need to go there. In December. Everybody's going to be on ice. Google now. December when it's, in December when it's icy and we have like a, a F1 race on spiked tires. Red Bull would uh, have that locked down, <laughs> I think, because they've done so many things on ice that... Uh... They would know exactly the car set up to run. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd love love to see Kimi Ring. Bring it. Let's do it. Grade one <laughs> circuit. Let's go. Yeah. Right. That is uh, pretty much it, isn't it, Tommy? Unless you've got anything else to add? No, it's all good. I'm I'm hoping that, yeah, I, I'm really hoping we do race at Sepang now because that would be amazing. And bring back Turkey. But unfortunately, back it's the a car, car park. park. <laughs> so... Sad times. Anyway, thank you so much, everybody, for watching and listening uh, wherever you are. Make sure to give us a big fat five stars or a big fat thumbs up. Uh, we're actually uh, in the top, well, we're 37th, aren't we, on the Spotify playlists, Tommy, the last time uh, you yeah, posted. Crazy. I don't know if that's gone up or down, but either way, thank you so much, everybody, that uh, continues to listen to this podcast and for some reason listen to myself and Tommy's opinions. Um, <laughs> of course, you know, make sure if you want to get involved in terms of any questions um follow us on twitter wtf1 official and use the hashtag wtf1 podcast for any burning opinions or questions that you have uh, also make sure um to check out S expressvpn our sponsor for this episode 
And that is that. Thank you very much, Tommy. Thank you. I'm looking forward. We've got three races to look forward to now. Indeed. Back to back to back. We'll have lots of race reviews coming your way and Internet's best reactions, of course. So look forward to that. And until next time, we'll see you very soon. Bye bye. Bye. Bye, I'll wave at you again. Bye. I'm actually seeing you tomorrow, aren't I? Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. Can't wait. See See you tomorrow. Bye. See you tomorrow. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, this is scenario number seven. A one, a two, three laps left. Landon Norris in the car, so come on, let's drift to the purple sector round the corner. The boys say to turn the power down, but I really don't want to. Silverware like I had last week. I must overtake, cause points ain't cheap. I need DRS, ERS, a chest pain procedure. And as I continue, you know I'm breaking deeper. So what can I do? Perez is really slow, my lord. Danny Rick and Stroller just down the road. Don't know the X2 lines to the song, so I'm just gonna go and talk like this. A little bit of Daniel going wide, a little bit of Lance side by side, a little bit of Perez is all I need, a little bit of P5 is what I see, a little bit of DRS in the sun, a little bit of ERS all straight long, a little bit of overtake, here I am, <laughs> a little bit of woo makes me your star. Hello. Oh, I'm loving this. Selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today.